Hey folks, thank you again for coming to Back to Basics for Season 3. Today we're going to speak with Phil Johnson, and we're going to find out what he's all about. You know, it's really, really encouraging as to he has told his story as to what he's all about. Today we're going to also talk about value and intelligence uh, emotions when it comes to that. He's actually struggled a lot, and he came across a successful way that he is today. So let's go and talk to Phil to get to know him better on Back to Basics. I'll see you later. Hi, folks. Thank you again for coming to Back to Basics, as I've said on the intro. Today, we're going to speak with uh, Phil, and we're going to find out what he's all about when it comes to intelligence, or I should say emotional intelligence. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to find out what he's all about. But why not? Let's stop talking to me. And why don't we just go to Phil and one find out what he's all about? So, Phil, how are you? And thanks for coming to uh, Back to Basics. Oh, thanks, Garish. It's, uh, it's great to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely honored that you're here. Uh, but before we talk about the details of the show today, uh, what does Back to Basic mean to you, Phil? I think it's uh, dealing with the root cause of the, uh, of the challenges we're facing. Um, I think a lot of the times, most of the time, we're trying to deal with symptoms rather than the uh, rather than the root cause of our challenges, hmm. and um, that doesn't really create a a, a permanent solution. And uh, where we we need to be focusing on the the basic challenges we have and the solutions to those challenges. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, Phil, for for coming on the show and thank you again for answering that question. But, you know, let me ask you this question here. When it comes to career, uh, is it a big challenge? Because changing a career is a big challenge, but just getting into it is a bigger challenge. Which one do you think it's more challenging when it comes to that? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think that starting a career is more challenging uh, because you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And when you want to change a career, uh, you have more, uh, more information, more data points to, uh, to hopefully uh, make a decision that's more in line with, uh, with your passion. So let me ask you in a different way. So a person who's a technologist for many years getting into an entrepreneurial life, he or she will not understand what what the taxes are or LLC is or anything like that. So you, they'll have to learn from scratch. But I think what you're answering is that it's easier because you are already working career uh, specialist and getting into a different field and it's easier, do you feel? Yeah, I think the... Um... The biggest challenge we have is understanding what living and working on purpose means for us. Uh, the um, the running a business is more tactical, but I think the bigger challenge is being able to offer a product or service that we're that we're passionate about. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again, Phil, for for answering that question. 
So what are, what were your challenges when you started your career? And what was the, the challenges that you faced throughout the years? Um, how much time do you have? <laughs> I got enough time. Go for it. Would you, uh, would you like to hear my backstory? It'll take about three minutes for me to, uh, to read it. It took me about 30 years to write it. Okay, sure. Is that, is that, sure. That'll actually uh, probably answer quite a few questions. Let me just uh, pull it up here. <clears throat> I entitled this um, Why I Created the Master of Business Leadership Program. My name is Phil Johnson, and I am the founder and CEO of the Master of Business Leadership Program. I was born in Brantford, Ontario, Canada on December 1st, 1953. Our family lived in a small two-bedroom post-World War II bungalow where my mom and dad raised three boys. I was the youngest and quite a surprise as my mother was in her early 40s when I was born. Three boys in one small bedroom with a coal-burning furnace and no air conditioning. My parents were born in 1909 and 1910 and went as far as grade eight in school. My dad was a factory worker who never made more than $5 per hour. During World War II, he served as a sergeant in a mortar artillery platoon in North Africa. His men used to call him the old man because he was 29 years old when he enlisted. As a younger man, he had boxed and played semi-pro baseball. My dad made his own beer and I helped by putting the caps on the bottles. My mother was a factory seamstress who left her job to take care of our family. I was born six weeks prematurely weighing approximately four pounds. My first six months were spent in an incubator at the local Brantford General Hospital. My dad brought milk to me each day on his bicycle because he didn't own a car. I have dyslexia. It's a neurological disorder that I was born with. I notice it most when I'm trying to spell, read, and occasionally hear. It can cause me to rearrange words and numbers in my mind. I didn't realize I had the condition until about 35 years ago. Back in those days, there was no such thing as dyslexia, ADD, or ADHD. I failed grade three and I failed grade five and was labeled a slow learner. And I used to pray the teacher would never ask me a question and I rarely made eye contact. Many times the back of my shirt would be soaked with sweat by the time class was over. Getting a C was a great mark for me. A's and B's were out of the question. Some of my earliest childhood memories were that our neighborhood had dirt roads. Asphalt roads, TVs, and private phone lines came several years later. We also had a milkman, bread man, egg man, and potato man. They made their deliveries in horse-drawn trucks. I started working when I was nine years old, pulling copper wire out of the back of factory dumpsters and selling it for five cents a pound. That was my allowance. By the time I was 12, I had a part-time job working in a produce factory, loading boxcars with crates of corn. I also worked as a caddy at a local golf course and picked strawberries on a farm. I had money and life was good. A few years later, my mother developed breast cancer. She underwent radiation and chemotherapy, which led to a radical mastectomy. On December 3rd, 1967, she died. It was two days after my 14th birthday. I was in grade seven at the time. One month later, I made a decision that was to change the trajectory of my life. My dyslexia and my mother's death became the catalyst for my journey. It was a snowy January night around midnight and I was taking my dog Duke for a walk. He was a blue tick hound my parents had given me as a puppy when I was five years old. Standing behind a local factory, I decided to go for it. I was going to see what was on the other side of the hill and come back and help my friends that had already given up on life. 
That decision began a 55-year journey that continues today. I became an A student throughout the rest of grade school and high school. My dad died in May of 1974 as I was completing grade 13. Four years later, I graduated in the top of my class from the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I also played football and basketball. I paid for my education through summer and part-time jobs during the year. I received a partial scholarship as the son of a World War II veteran. Later, I spent five years studying electrical engineering while beginning what turned out to be a 20-year career in the semiconductor industry. Mm -hmm. By the time my career in that industry ended, I'd become a corporate executive. I was traveling over 60,000 miles per year throughout North America and the Pacific Rim. In 1990, I remember talking with one of my older brothers and commenting, is this all there is? I had accomplished more than I or for that matter, anyone else ever thought I would. In the process, I had become mindlessly focused on the drive to acquire and achieve conventional wealth and success. But obtaining the brass ring in my career wasn't as fulfilling as I had dreamt it would be. Along the way, I had forgotten the promise I'd made to myself on that snowy January night in 1968. I eventually decided to leave corporate America, breaking away from the herd in order to lead it in a better direction. A short time later, I turned down two vice presidential roles so that I could begin the creation of what has become the Master of Business Leadership Program. For the past 22 years, I've been an executive coach dedicated to helping executives and organizations to bet on themselves by developing their leadership and emotional intelligence. My dyslexia enables me to see what others cannot. MBL program alumni are living in the United States, Canada, UK, Europe, Japan, Germany, Bosnia, Africa, Australia, the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, career revenue, $1.5 So there you go. That's my backstory. No, but thank you. Thank you so much for <clears throat> explaining all, all the items uh, of your life and, and all the struggles that you have gone through and the challenges that you have gone through. Uh, you know, and, and thank you for for sharing that from from a C person to an A person and how you have achieved over the years. And and I and I thank you for that, because it seems like there are people uh, similar to you who are struggling to be an A student, as you said, uh, and they have no way of getting there. So what are your what are your main advices to that you want to give to people that what is the first thing that you need to do? Is it willpower? Is it money? Is it finance? Or is it the full support that you need around you? The first thing you need to do is you need to develop a vision of a desired result that you want to achieve that's greater than the fear that's going to get generated in you when you leave your comfort zone to pursue that desired result. Without that emotional connection to something you want to achieve, uh, you may want better results than you're currently getting, but you won't be willing to do the emotional labor that getting better results requires. So the first step is there's got to be something you want that's greater than the fear that's going to get triggered in you when you start to move towards achieving it. Yeah, so I, I guess willpower is one of them that you need to have, right? Is that? It's is not that... willpower. Willpower mm. burns up very quickly. You cannot rely on willpower uh, for better results. Okay. Um, 
you have to have a an emotional connection to something you want to achieve that motivates you to move in that direction. That's different from willpower. Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for explaining that. So then what is your emotional uh, challenge? What's my emotional challenge? Well, um, my dyslexia has been a, uh, has caused me to be a visual thinker. Um, and uh, my emotional challenge is the same challenge we all have to, uh, to not allow our ego-based fears to keep us from moving out of our comfort zone in mm. the pursuit of better results. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for explaining that. And, and it seems like emotion plays a big part in your life for sure. But then wh what are the other challenges that you also have faced besides the emotional part of things? Is it, is it financial? Is it no. education? Is no. it uh, is it support? I mean, what are your thoughts no. on that? Uh, the only challenge I have really is uh, uh, to keep my walls down and stay focused on uh, being of service to others. Hmm. As uh, as simple as that uh, might sound, um, it's very difficult for for all of us to do. See, we're actually only conscious about three to 5% of the time. Uh, and often our walls go up, we become resistive, judgmental and attached to the outcome without even realizing it. Um, and that's really the root cause of all drama, chaos and, and conflict. Mm. So the challenge I have is the challenge we all have. And actually, you lead into a, a, a great comment, and that's that we're facing a, a tsunami of accelerating change with a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. Hmm. See, what happens is um, we're very resistive to change. Doesn't matter whether it's good change or bad change, we don't like change. We uh, have a bio, both a biological and a sociological resistance to change. So one of the main resistances, one of the main sources of resistance is our is a part of our old lizard brain called the amygdala that has been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never leave the perceived excuse me, the perceived safety of our comfort zone. And if we do, it automatically triggers the release of a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol. And that causes the executive center of our brain or our prefrontal cortex to shut off. And we go into what psychologists refer to as an amygdala hijack. Some mm. people lash out, some people run away, some people freeze like a deer in the headlights, which often causes us to say and do things we later regret. So mm. when that happens in conflict situations, people die. When it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die, we burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet that amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that changing innovation triggers mm -hmm. in us and move through it 
towards mm. the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety uh, to control us. Mm. I'll give you an example of a company that's currently valued at $2.2 trillion, and they're doing about $600 billion a year in revenue, and their primary hiring focus is emotional intelligence. Mm. A company is Apple. That's why when you walk into an Apple store, the energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. Mm. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're mm. trying to understand your pain and, if possible, offer a solution. They want you to have a great experience, and maybe you'll tell your friends, and they'll tell their friends. Mm. But if you think about it, that energy you feel in that environment is a very different energy from the energy coming out of the stores surrounding that environment. Mm. So because we're facing an, a, a, a dramatic uh, and accelerating rate of change, of global change, more and more companies are hiring and developing and promoting largely based on emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, because it seems like um, I never really thought of it that way, that they're actually selling more emotional versus a friendly user, you, you know, a GUI version of a friendly a GUI version instead of an emotion. We have, um, let me talk a little bit more, more about that. <clears throat> because we've evolved over hundreds of millions of years from mm. tribes or herds, mm. we've had to develop the ability to sense whether somebody's trying to help us or eat us. So we have these specialized brain cells in our prefrontal cortex that brain scientists call mirror neurons. You mm. can Google it. Uh, that's why you're able to walk into a room and sense the energy in a room or you're having a conversation with somebody, you can sense whether they're trying to help you or hurt you. Mm -hmm. See, if somebody trusts you, if somebody wants to, if they view your success and their success as connected, they'll find a way to do business with you, even mm -hmm. if you don't have the best pricing or the best technology. Mm -hmm. If they don't trust you, they'll find a way not to do business with you, even if you have the best pricing or the best technology. And because of the accelerating rate of global change, there's something called the trust economy, which is growing much faster than the traditional economy. It's mm. currently valued at over $10 trillion a year. Mm. To put that in perspective, if the trust economy were a country, it would be the third largest economy in the world behind the United States and China. Mm. So trustability is the new economic currency and it's directly related to your level of emotional intelligence. Mm. There was a 40-year study done, by the way, <clears throat> done by UC Berkeley in California, uh, comparing IQ with EQ. And they concluded that emotional intelligence was 400% more valuable in achieving success than intellectual intelligence. Wow. And quite frankly, our educational system has failed us mm. and our employment system has failed us because they focus primarily on our ability to do intellectual labor and have done nothing to develop our emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Phil, thank you. Thank you again for explaining. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go and start reading about, about what has happened in the last 40 years of, of that. And, and thank you I'll, for sharing I'll that. Send you a link to, I'll send you a link to the study. Matter of fact, I'll give it to you now. If you want, you can throw it in the, in the show notes. Sure, sure. Go for it. Hang on. Well, well, we, we you can give it to me right after the the. Sure, the show. go ahead, fire ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, Phil, we have actually started a new segment on uh, Back to Basics, which is the the rapid fire round. And this rapid fire round, whatever pops in your head, we'll just go from there. And uh, what are your thoughts on that part? Is that okay, Phil? Sure. Okay. So the first word that we're going to be talking about is uh, challenges. Is chat what? Challenges. Challenges. Opportunities. Okay. Struggles. Opportunities. Okay. Uh, world war. Fear. Okay. Words. Ineffective. Learning. Ongoing. Disability. Gift. Emotional. Intelligence. Visual. Dyslexic. Focus. Courage. Success. Success. Um, love. Intelligence. Love. Consciousness. No, let's go with consciousness. Okay. Uh, change. Constant. Importance. Important? Yeah. Urgent. Priorities. Focus. And uh, the last two, uh, fill. Leader. Okay. And the last one is uh, back to basics. Consciousness. Okay. Thank you so much, Phil, for, for being a sport on uh, playing the rapid fire round. Hey, folks, thank you again for listening to Back to Basics. You know, we had a technical difficulties before uh, we ended the call, but we really had a good time, didn't we, with, with Phil Johnson. What we learned from him is that he's gone through so much of struggle and how he has been successful. And that's just what episode is all about. So thank you all for coming to Back to Basics, and we'll see you next time on Back to Basics. Hi, guys. Thank you again for tuning in to Back to Basics and listening to the, the excellent uh, episode that we had today with our guest. You know, with your love and support, we do need you to at least rate our show, review our show, because it does make us stronger day by day, week by week, as I usually say on my episodes. And there are three things in this episode that it makes a hit for me, which is the content, the guest, and definitely the host. So guys, take care, God bless, and remember, everything in life goes back to basics, and that's what we did today, guys. Guys, take care, God bless, and see you next time on Back to Basics.